Hey, welcome to another edition of our Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir. And I get excited with our guests. And God, we had Porter Moser last week, who I still have goosebumps from. But today, you're going to get to hear from a friend of mine from 30 years, Tom Crean, uh, the new head coach at the University of Georgia. And Tom is a guy that has just been incredible, nine years at Marquette, coaching Dwayne Wade and others, and then nine years at Indiana, 10 years at Indiana. Just an amazing coach, great person. I think Tom is absolutely one of the best coaches in the country at understanding leadership and what players want. And so when you listen to Tom, he's going to give you maybe one of the best insights into leadership that you've ever had. And coaching is leadership, I've always said, and leadership is coaching. So listen closely to Tom Crean and enjoy. Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy to use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. Doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Hey, welcome back to our Coaching You podcast. Uh, I have to admit, uh, the person that we're going to talk about, are my friend Tom Green, uh, I felt compelled, Tom, that I have to do a Sean Hannity disclaimer, though, but that I am very biased about Tom. I'm a friend of 30 years. He's not a client. He's a friend of 30 years, and I think the world of him. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brendan. I, I appreciate that. And uh, long before we ever got to know each other or became friends, I was following what you did as a coach. You were and or are, it should say, but especially when I was coming up as a coach, uh, it's just an example of what this thing is supposed to be all about, whether you're a head coach, whether you're assistant coach, uh, whether you're training all-stars or whether you're training rookies that won't make your team, uh, whether it's being in charge of the whole operation or supporting the one that is. Learned so much from you and the people that you've worked with, like Hubie Brown and Chuck Daly. And I think back to when I grew up in Michigan and when I was falling in love, literally, with basketball as becoming my career. Not just in love with the game, but in love with the career, being able to see what you did in Detroit and what you guys did with Brendan Malone and with, with Coach Daly just beyond anything I could describe and, and what I got from that. Well, thank you, my friend. And I'm honored, uh, and I'm honored to, that we've been friends. And so, you know, Tom, the thing that, uh, amazes me about our profession, uh, that I'm 
you know, I knew since I played for UB as a high school player and I knew since I was 15 I wanted to be a coach because I, I was influenced by him, is I've always admired the way, uh, and, I, and I, I had this conversation with a great coaching friend yesterday, is that players that love their coach and are influenced by him, I just, I love what you and Dwayne Wade and so many of your other players, the way that, that your friendship and Victor Oladipo and so many of the kids, Diener and them that you've coached, the way you stay in touch with them and the way you have that relationship, that's the essence of coaching to me. There's no question. There, there's no question about it. And and that's what you want uh, when you're a player. And even a guy like me that wasn't a very good player, you wanted that type of relationship. And as you go down the line and you're doing the million and one things that go into having any type of success in anything or any type of longevity, it really does come back to that. And I think it gets crystallized when you become a parent mm. is that a, you want, you want your kids around people that are going to inspire them. They're going to protect them. All right. That are going to make them better, but that are never going to take their spirit. And, and when I've had issues of, of looking, uh, even for my own son and, and, and his world, all right, where they, even if they didn't treat him as well, or even if they didn't teach him as much, did they take his spirit, right? Because once the spirit is gone, it's so hard to overcome it. And you learn as you get older that no, nothing, no one should take your spirit, but that's not the case when you're younger. And I've always looked at it in a sense of that. That's ultimately what coaching is. Are you building a real confidence in them? Are you helping them um, eliminate doubts in their game in life with honest, real answers? And are you giving them the ability to not only get as good as they can be, but to help others and let their spirit and how they how they how they do things shine in other people? And I never want to get rid of being able to help somebody see that, whether they're playing for us or whether they're 15, 20 years out now, you know, because I've been a head coach now for 19 years. So 20 years this year since I had my first head coaching job. But it's the same thing when you're dealing as an assistant coach. It's the same thing with going back to some of the relationships when I first started as a graduate assistant at Michigan State or at Alma College. Mm -hmm. you, there, there's a longevity that comes from mutual respect, from wanting the best for somebody, and then very, very importantly, not being afraid to tell them that, not being afraid to tell them what will make them better. And as they get older, it becomes more about reminders, just like it does when you're coaching them. You know, it becomes more about reminders. And I think that's that's where the relationship base is so much fun because then it turns into they're reminding you <laughs> and it becomes a two-way street friendship, not just a coach-player relationship. You know, when I coached Isaiah Thomas, I had just come from Fratello and UB Brown and very strict discipline and everything. I came up there and I remember the first practice and and I said to Isaiah, okay, Isaiah, what's our goals? What are, what are we good? And UB Brown was, okay, uh, Every five home games, we want to win four. Of every five road games, we want to win two, and then we'll get fifty wins. And that, that was—I was for nine years. That's all it was beat into my head, you know. And you know what, Tom? Every year we got fifty wins, every single year, but we never got further. So I, I said to Isaiah, you know, it's, I joined the team in January. I left the Hawks and came to the Pistons, and I said, Isaiah, what are our goals? And he said, We have two goals. And I'm like, I said, What are they? And he says. Uh, we want to win the game that night. And I'm like going, 
what do you mean? And he says, we only worry about tonight. And he says, and we, our other goal was we're good enough. We want to win the championship. Nothing's, nothing can replace that. And what he did is he really gave me the idea of staying in the present and then focusing on one thing, laser focus on that other thing. You know, you've been around greatness with your brothers-in-laws, John and Jim. What have they given you from pro ball uh, to what you've adapted to college? Well, that's a great point. We just made about winning the game because they're playing the 16 games. They've got the exhibitions. And there's so much focus, singular focus, on on being able to win that game on Sunday or being able to win that game if it's a Saturday or a Monday night, but for the purpose of where that league is on the Sunday and how do you get to that place. And the constants of standards, the constants of fundamentals, the constants of repetition are there, but there's always differences in how to win that game. And I think that those guys – one of the areas that I've, I've got things exemplified, exemplified for me, there's a flexibility. Okay. There's a way we're going to play, but I look at Jim and John and I look at so many guys that win consistently. The system doesn't have to be the winner. Okay. Mm -hmm. Too many times in coaching and you know, guys like this, just like I know guys like this mm -hmm. and some are in the hall of fame. They're very, very successful. So it's not like it doesn't work, but no, it's not the system has to win. The players inside of that team have to flourish enough that they're winning. It doesn't have to be, well, we run this or we play defense this way. There's standards. There's components. There's certain non-negotiables. But there's a flexibility. There's adjustments. There's keys. There's game planning on how do we win that game, this game. And I think I've taken that from them. I think another big thing that they, they will attack problems head on. They don't want problems to become lingering, all right? They'll see something, and they're not afraid to hit it right now. They're not afraid to challenge their best players, all right? There's no player in the Jim and John Harbaugh world that's so big that he doesn't get coached, that he doesn't have to uh, adhere to the team standards and rules, uh, and and they're fearless that way. And, and not in a negative, it's my way or the highway way, but they are so standard and principle driven. And the fact that they have the ability, I don't think people have any idea just how much charisma uh, Jim has mm -hmm. and just how much of a connection he has with his players. I think people see it a little more in John and, and because the outside world is going to see somebody that maybe is a little more outgoing, laughs a little more uh, in the, in the media, in the press conferences. But they also don't know just exactly how tough John is behind the scenes and, and how uh, he, he, you're not going to beat his will and you're not going to beat his resolve. And if he thinks it's, this is the best thing, all right, for you or for that team, he's going to stick with it. Well, Jim, on the other hand, I don't think people see the level of connection that he builds with people, the behind the scenes, <laughs> the, the, the meetings off to the side, uh, the spending time with him in, in non-football situations. And, and the world puts stigmas and labels on coaches and on leaders yeah. so much. But most of us don't have any idea what it's really like. Well, for me, being able to see both of those guys, <laughs> I see all those qualities. And, and I get to see a lot of times what everybody else doesn't see. And the fact of the matter is their consistency on what it takes to be successful and to win never changes. The process of how they get there will change. That's flexibility. But how they're going to get there and the fact that it has to happen, that doesn't change. 
No, that's that's fantastic. I, I you know one of my big philosophies that probably I got from Chuck more than anyone was about you have to coach Brendan every player differently, and then I you know and you hear that, and then as I became a parent, what and then you have three great kids is that what I always say to people is, do you have any children and do you have more than one? And I would say to you and Joni, do you parent those kids the same way, each of them? And the answer is always what? No. Absolutely exactly. no. And yep. Certain standards that, that are there. Yes. But in values, those are your values, mm-hmm. right? The values can be the same. The values can be consistent. But how you get there and how you reach them, there's no question those are totally different. And you see it with Jim and John. I, I think they are totally different as you know, children from the same parents. and But, man, are they just so unique and they have such incredible qualities, each of them. And I think that's – and the beauty of in coaching them or parenting them is to bring out the very best in them, correct? No question. And it's the same with Joni. I mean, I look at Joni yeah. and I can see – we're going to be married 25 years on May 29th. And I look at all the qualities that they have and then I see them in her – and it's like she's she's got all of that. She's How got that. She's got the competitiveness. She's got the toughness. She's got the standards. She's got the ability to read people and read situations. She doesn't give unfiltered opinions. She doesn't fly off the handle. There's a real discipline and a structure. And there is absolutely no question that she's tougher on our kids than I am. I mean, no question. And and um, I'm laughing because my stay. wife is the same way. Yep, I agree. Exactly, <laughs> but. But when I look at the Harbaugh's, I by far got the best looking Harbaugh. No, I mean, without I mean, you went, you went so far <laughs> over your head, you know. <laughs> thank, thank Jack for that all the time. That, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That is, it that was is. like you were lining up for an onside <laughs> kick, okay? And you talk about out kicking your coverage. You were lining up for an outside <laughs> kick, and the guy kicked at the level of the field and kicked a field goal from 80 yards. <laughs> Right, ninety yards. That's how much I kicked my. That is so great. Uh, (laughs) But they have all that, and it's the same thing with our kids. And I would say this to what you said about Jim and John: they're different in what people see, and they're different personalities, obviously. Yeah. But they both carry so many of the same strengths. That's beautiful. And I think where they become, where their friendship is, is as far as obviously they're brothers, but the friendship is they're not afraid to bring something out of the other one and i think that Mm. there's there nobody sharpens them more than their mom and dad i mean nobody sharpens the harbaugh family more than jack and jackie i mean there's no question about it and i think that's why jack is so uh they involve him in so much not just because he's their dad okay but and not just because they love him but because he is so good and so astute and has such good judgment and reasoning and 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 he doesn't make assumptions i mean he 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 just gets it, right? And so, but at the same time, all right, when you look at those guys, they're the same way. They're not afraid to, 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 to tell each other something that's going to make them better. They protect each other uh, in so many ways. And I think what that does is that just helps them flourish in their profession. You know, uh, you you had an amazing article that came out in Sports Illustrated on your gap year. I thought that was, you know, so good. Talk if you'd be kind enough if you could talk about some of that because I think it's important for coaches that you know if something does happen or just the idea forget if nothing happens just the idea of continual learning. No yeah. question. Yeah. Well, I think for me it all started with the fact that I wasn't going to let 
a couple people's decision mm-hmm. at Indiana change my belief in myself, change my spirit, create doubt. There's no question it makes you angry. All right. But, sure. but at the same time, you can see certain things coming. All right. And then it becomes, okay, what's my philosophy and values that I want to run my life on and run my family on? And the bottom line is you don't let other people's decisions, all right, respect them or not. You don't let those things affect you. And I wanted to get out and make sure because I never lost any confidence and desire to coach. I never had an energy loss or anything like that. Uh, it, it was a unique situation and, um, I wasn't going to let it beat me up because really, because it's so different when something happens like that and you start running all these questions on yourself. When you're a growth mindset person, when you're a growth mindset leader and you're trying to constantly get better, you're always evaluating where you're at. You're always evaluating your practices, your teams, your methods, how you're doing it. You should never have to go back and say, man, what did I do wrong? You should already know, right? And then it becomes a part of how you're going to challenge yourself, fix it. Well, I knew that I was going to take an opportunity, if I could, to do things that I may not have had time to do before, going to doors that that may not have presented themselves, probably because I hadn't asked, but I was also going to take and, and really go and look at places that I really, really respected. But I was also going to study things that weren't going right. I was also going to study because I've been around uh, enough leadership as of late that I knew there were certain things that I want to make sure I'm never a part of this again. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I'm not putting myself in a situation where, where I have to deal with this. All right. And, and, and let, let me go see how great ones do it and why some other people have failed. And that to me is what it was. And then when I was presented with the, the opportunity to do it, I've never been one that wanted to talk about the visits and the relationships. I keep my own notes, Yep. but I, I'm not one of those that I'm going to have a meeting with you and I'm going to send the notes out <laughs> to 500 people about right. stuff we talked about. I know. Cause I just, unless I had the permission, but I would, if I was going to do it, then I wanted people to see why these people are so good and, and that we utilize, whether it be Brett Brown, whether it be Bill Belichick, whether it be Dwayne and LeBron, you know, whatever it was, Tony LaRusa, cause there's a reason those guys are so unique. And to me, it, 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 the, the level of success that great players have, the level of success of great programs, okay, you can flip it on why people are not successful. There's a tremendous mutual respect for other people's thoughts and ideas, okay? Not a flippant approach to somebody throwing something on the wall to see if it'll stick. The best organizations have secure people. Not secure because they're experienced, not secure because they know they could never lose their job, not secure because they've reached the level of greatness, but secure because they know their, their ideas and their planning and their thoughts and their work is safe. Like they're going to be in a place where it's going to be nurtured. It's going to be developed. It's going to be respected, but it's also going to be challenged. It's also going to be looked at in a way of how it can be better. And so many of the great organizations are full of growth mindset people. They really are. And I think the other part of it, that I took so much from from either studying and visiting with coaches that had coached some of the best of the best or watching those guys practice, watching those guys train. Because, again, we can see a lot of things on film. I could stay home that whole year, and I could have studied a lot off of film. I could have – and I did study a lot of film. But obviously you get into television and you're studying a lot of film. But I wanted to see the whys. What's the difference? And there is a level of greatness. The great ones want to be coached. 
okay? They, I mean, they truly want to be coached, but they want the best of what you've got detail-wise. They want the best of what you've got edge-wise. They've got, and, and I remember reading some of this stuff when you guys were with the Pistons, mm-hmm. and I'm growing up in that area. And you weren't going to sit with Isaiah and tell him something that he already knew. He wanted something that he didn't know that you found that could make him better. And I think that has not changed, Brendan. I think I think those people are so much like that. They want an edge, and they want they do not want to look bad, and they don't want to look bad in the sense that this guy over here or that guy over there is not doing their job. And they want you as a coach to not only hold them accountable, but to hold everybody else accountable. And they, as a player, they they don't want to accept people that aren't putting winning and competing and improvement first. And and I think that's why people, great ones, sometimes have such low tolerance for slackers and slotters and people that I haven't met many great ones that aren't afraid to tell somebody else the truth. That's still the greatest strength Dwayne Wade has. He tells the truth to himself, and he'll tell the truth to other people. Mm-hmm. Because, and it, and it's, it's not an opinion. It's not a, it's not a, let me see how this sticks. It's what he truly believes. And, and I think that's, that's LeBron. I think that's yeah. Peyton Manning. I think that's Brady. And I don't know those guys like yeah. that. But when you sit and observe them, you see that's the way that it is. And there's too many coaches. There's too many players that are acceptant of you slacking, acceptant of you not being committed, acceptant of people not doing the right stuff off the field or floor, acceptant of not having coaches put in that extra time, acceptant of just taking something standard and not going above and beyond. And I think the great players and the great coaches, they go deep or deeper with their people than most. And I think it takes a little more work, sometimes a lot more work, but they do it and it works. And that's how you get sustainability because the traction comes from that. When you, Tom, when you went to visit, uh, I believe you went uh, and saw the Belichick scrimmage, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In, uh, in West Virginia, Greenbrier, West Virginia, uh, they were scrimmaging and practicing with the uh, Texans. Right. And, you know, two coaches that, uh, you know, and I think about the paranoia sometimes in college coaching and in pro coaching. It's so different, correct? Uh, sure. And, yeah, and you know they know they win because not because I'm smarter, but because I got better players. Frankly, you know, and but the idea of watching those guys. Uh, how did you feel knowing that both of your brothers were NFL coach at one time? That Belichick would let you, who seems like a very would let you in to to see and observe. Well, I've said that he trusted me. Yes. I mean, it wasn't my first time being with him, and he'd right. been great. He'd been great through the process of the year. He'd been great with me with advice. I met him in 2009, mm-hmm. and the guy that that, that helped uh, steer the, the friendship uh, was not only Tony La Russa, but Mike Lombardi. So between those two guys, Mike's great. it had opened it up. And I knew the respect he had for John. I knew the respect he had for Jim. But sure. I think, and, and again, even with that article, I would never – I mean, you get some great things, okay? That's not – there's certain things they don't go public, right? I mean, that's that's their secrets. And I think I knew the difference on that. But I think I think Bill is so secure in what he does. I think he's a coach's coach in the sense that he, he loves leadership. He likes to be around other ideas. I mean, that guy, um, he knows what he knows, all right? And he knows what he's doing, obviously. But I think he, he's been to Indiana before, before the Combine – when we've sit there and discussed different testing procedures for players, we've discussed wingspan. We've discussed these different things mm-hmm. 
you know, I'm always looking for how does football apply to basketball? Well, they're looking sometimes for how does basketball apply to football? How about that? Because everybody wants to get better. And in that situation, it really didn't cross my mind because if it would have crossed his, yeah, sure, he probably would have never let me in. And so it never really crossed mine. And and neither one of my brother-in-laws ever asked a question about it. Of other course. than they thought that was really cool that I got to do it. You know, right? and, that's really what it was. And and it all comes, as you mentioned, from relationships. You know, sure. and, and and I know Billy Donovan went up and studied, uh, you know, w- with him maybe after he won the two championships, and and he said Bill just opened up to him. It was just amazing. And Doc Rivers talks the same way about him. He's a guy that loves coaching, right? And and sure, and and loves learning. More importantly, you know, absolutely. And and I think that is so cool. Um, in this gap year, was there something significant that you found out about yourself? Um, our family is really tough. I mean, really mentally tough, can overcome different things. It was a big change for all of us. My son was going to Indiana to play baseball and we would have been fine with that. And he didn't want it. And, and uh, I, I love the baseball coaches. Certainly I'd have had some concerns with him being, uh, in that athletic department environment, but I wouldn't have had any concerns with him being with the, uh, Baseball. with the coaches mm-hmm. and he didn't do that. He got drafted by the white Sox. It wasn't a situation where it was time for him to go yet. It was a late round pick. Sure. So he's not going to college. We're going to IMG. We moved to Sarasota. Our daughter graduates from Indiana. She moves to LA. Really? This is the first time in Joni's life oh my God. that she's not a part of a team ever in her life. Right. As a lot of people marry into sports. Yeah. You know, not that many grow or born into sports and they never leave it because they married into it. Right. How about that? And, and she never had never been a part of a team. My kids. So us living in another part of the world. Okay. And it's awesome. We're not selling our house. It's great. We'll buy a house in Athens, but we're keeping that one in Lakewood ranch. But our daughter moving to LA going through all these changes. Okay. Knowing that, that, um, that there was no way we were going to accept what had been done in the sense of, well, you know, we're not very good at this or we're that. I mean, they knew. I mean, our kids knew as well as, as I did of, of what we were dealing with back there sure. with certain people. And so to have that toughness to overcome it and and to see my wife and the way that she handled it, I'd say, you know, we got a really strong family because we've been through things. But then you go through a year and everybody continues to get better. And I think you lead the way. You lead the way as a spiritual leader in your home, but you also lead the way as a learner in your home and you lead the way as somebody that perseveres. And, and um, it's not like we don't have tough days, but the level of mental toughness um, to overcome things and never let it knock you out and continue to look for ways to get better. That's the biggest thing. You know, the wife, uh, uh, coach's wife, I think, um, you know, 37 years now, Tom, you know, uh, that's amazing. I'm going to be 25. And I thought that was a lot. Yeah. 37. (laughs) And, uh, the biggest reason is 30 years in the NBA. She was happy time I was gone, which made her very happy, you know? And I think what happens is they're the head coach at home, as you mentioned before. Sure. And I came home. I was Mr. Nice guy. Kids could do anything when I got home, you know. <laughs> I would, I was Mister Softy with them around, you know. And but sure. you know, but I think the year that when I came home um, after when Chuck and I finished a year in Jersey, and I came back, and uh, you know, and all of a sudden, you find out 
how hard their job is. As a, as no question. A, how hard it is. And I remember saying to my wife, Brenda, I said to her, God, you're underpaid. God, you know, you, <laughs> you are so underpaid. You should ask for more. And, and you know, is that they do so much that you don't even know about. She probably they, smacked you aside the, upside the head well, when she, you made that comment. Uh, you, know, you know what she did at that point? All of a sudden, that's the time when they were coming out with direct deposit of paychecks. And I haven't, I haven't seen a paycheck since then. Okay. Everyone goes to her account, so that's fine. Uh, but you know, but what, you know, and, and, but the year at home, now you traveled some, you did games and you did studio. Well, let me say this now. She was ready. I mean, this thing hit us like a brick. Yeah. Right. Uh, in the head, we went to Florida for a few days. We got back on a Sunday night. She was ready for me to be back gone by Monday. I mean, it's, it's not like, cause here's the other thing. And you know, this as well as yeah. I do. They're the head coach. They don't want an associate head coach. Yeah. Okay. Cool. They yeah. they don't even necessarily want an assistant coach. They want a graduate assistant that'll take care of the details <laughs> the and garbage and run these errands. Yeah. They don't they don't need any help coaching the team. So all of a sudden you get home and you got time on your hands. Like no 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 we're not co coaching this thing. So <laughs> how great it, they're ready for you to go. See that that might be the biggest le- one of the biggest lessons you learn here from Crean no and, Crean and Sir's and parenting uh, husbandry and stuff. God, you know that is the truth. And uh, and thank God for coaches' wives. You know, uh, sure. you know your neighborhood in Lakewood Ranch. It's 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 a little shabby. I got to admit. You know your neighbor Vital <laughs> is a pain in the ass. Okay, but uh, I, I you know you I, said that I did. I oh no, it, my first. <laughs> First job ever was with Dick at the University of Detroit uh, when I was 21 years old. When he went there as the head coach, I went with him. And uh, he is, you know, as you know, he is, he's maybe one of the, his greatest contribution, I told him, is not coaching. is what he's doing now for pediatric cancer and everything. Sure. And I love his gala and stuff, but it's stuff like that. Tom, what, what did you learn in broadcasting this year to help you coaching? Well, let's talk about uh, Dick Vitale. Oh, yeah. I'm my mean, best. He, I don't know. Outside of my family, okay, and I've got some. Yeah, know, this is Mike Tannenbaum. This is a great point for this podcast. Mike Tannenbaum, mm-hmm. who I met in July, we went for a roundtable. Uh, I went with Jed Fish, who's now with the Rams, who was at UCLA as offensive coordinator last year, and before that, he'd been with Jim at Michigan for two years. So he invited me in. It was Adam Gaze, it was who I'd never met, just great, absolutely brilliant guy. I mean, just brilliant. Clyde Christensen. And so right there, you're with, you're with two guys that have been Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator for 13 years. Yeah. All right. And Chris Furster, who obviously had a really tough time once the season started, but one of the best meetings I've ever sat in watching him teach two rookie offensive linemen. And, and I learned as much in an hour of a meeting sitting with him of how to run a room with a small group room as anything I've ever seen. And Dom Capers was around and, 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 and people came in and out. Okay. But I met Mike Tannenbaum, and he made a great point. He said, you're going to find that you're going to put people in two buckets. You're going to find the buckets are there's going to be a group of people that you say, man, you know, I didn't hear from them. Uh, They weren't around. You know, that's kind of shocking. He said, but you're also going to have a bucket of people that I didn't believe. I I didn't realize we were this good of friends. I didn't realize they cared this much. And so, you know, we have two buckets. He's exactly right. He's exactly right. And, and you don't dwell it early on. You want to dwell on the ones you're not hearing from because you want to feel sorry for yourself. But well, then you got to get over it. Right. Cause it doesn't really matter. Right. And then the next bucket is like, wow, these are good friends. And so I found out I had more of those than I did the other way around. But then there's Dick Vitale 
and he's in a bucket by himself <laughs> because from day one of this, all right, when we land in Florida, um, I still have the voicemail that he left me, all right, the day I was let go, all right, and I have the memories of what he did for me, okay, right away, get me involved in another job, I mean, right away, and I just, my, my mind wasn't in it at that point, sure. so it, it wasn't anybody's fault, but the, but sticking with me, uh, checking on me, uh, being around, seeing him. And it wasn't even like I was seeing him every day. I see him some, obviously, because we're living in the same area. Sure. But the way he cared, the way he supported, it, it was just incredible for me. And and I already knew, like those, I was I didn't really understand him when he was the Detroit coach. Like I knew of him, certainly come up in basketball. But I became all in when he was with the Pistons, because that's the same time I started to really get into the NBA. So I had the Piston Plan Club stuff. I had the revitalize bumper sticker on my door at my house. I had all that, right? I saw the, the year he won 16 games. I think I saw three or four of those wins, right, being in the in the dome. And so to me, he was always on a pedestal for me. And he became a friend. And I can't ever thank enough for how he was this year with me. And whatever I already thought I knew about him, which was a lot because of his heart, because of his mind, because of his care, because of his passion, because of his compassion, it's so much more because I got to see it even firsthand. And if there's somebody that is more passionate about a cause, and there's some great passionate people for causes, but if there is somebody that is more 24-7 passionate about a cause than pediatric care and cancer research, with all the stuff that he's got going on, right? I mean, it's not like he wakes up in the morning and wonders what he's going to do, all right? And it's not like he doesn't have all kinds of things on his schedule. But to have that kind of passion and care and that not be his full-time job, it, it's amazing to me. He does not get close to the credit that he gets. I offered to be the intro guy for him at his gala. He's got Jay Wright doing it, which yeah. will be even better. Wow. You know, but to me, it's like – there's I, I, Jim has Jim has gotten to know him. I don't know if Jim realizes has any clue how big that gala is and what Dick Vitale means to so many people when he gets in that on May 11th and 12th. Yeah, I think. But, uh, yeah, I think you know when Jim was down the last time when they, uh, you know, when they brought down uh, the young boy from uh, sure, you know, uh, yeah, the know, car family, the, you know, Coach Cars. Yeah, uh, yeah. It. I was there when uh, and and so Jim had it, but he has. No idea. You're absolutely right, and it's such a great event. But you know, I I think you know when I was a kid in high school, you know, when Dick's coaching high school ball at East Rutherford High School, and I'm playing for UB at Fairlawn High School, and I'm saying to myself, I would work his camp day camp in the summer, and to think that the influence that he would have on me fifty years later, it's sure it's absolutely frightening, and yeah. uh, you know, and I think God put guys and dick on this earth for people like us so yeah I, well it's, and so many other people and yeah. so many others but tv what i learned the biggest thing i learned is the value of small group leadership because espn is this giant entity and and, and a fantastic entity and i was there for the for the for the the summit really is what it was it was a it was like a giant pep rally with a lot of substance and facts behind it when we went in there, I believe it was November, and John Skipper spoke and Connor Shell and all the different people. And a few days later, John Skipper left. And I'm walking out there saying, I knew I was walking into a big place. I had no idea it was this big. No idea it was this powerful. Then all of a sudden, the leader's gone. <laughs> and they never missed a beat. 
I mean, they they never missed a beat. Uh, you name it, Connor Shell, Burke Magnus, Lee Finning on the sports side, David Seisler, Lindsey Ross, uh, you name it. I'm missing people, but it, that, that, it was a machine. And the, the best thing about it, doing the games, doing the studio, I love the research. I love studying the different things. I've never watched two things I've never done more in my life. I never watched more college basketball <laughs> as a whole than I did this year, truly. Yeah. Cause you're spending so much time watching your team, yep. watching your opponents, watching your league, watching some friends. <clears throat> and then I had free time. I wanted to watch the NBA. Yeah. Because I learned so much from it and we had so many different guys in it. But, and I never traveled more. I never traveled more in my life, even when I was an assistant at Western Kentucky. No way. And uh, no way. Absolutely. I mean, it's, there's not too many directs out of Sarasota to where you got to go when it comes to uh, Hartford or going to the Big 12 country. But I loved it, right? I mean, I loved it. And what I learned is every night you're with a group. Maybe you know them a little bit. Maybe it's the first time. And the different producers, associate producers, directors. I worked with one uh, uh, play-by-play man uh, more than once, John Shambi, who's awesome. Who's great. But, every yeah, everybody else was you know, Reese Davis, Dave Pash. You name it, it was one time with those guys. Bob Wischusen, the whole list. And it was awesome. I mean, the, the small group, this is, this is going to go well because we are going to support each other mentality. Not we hope it goes well. Not we hope it's a good broadcast. No, no, it will go well. Because we're going to communicate our way through every aspect of it. And nobody comes out and says, hey, this is going to be a great broadcast because it's just known. There's going to be communication. There's going to be give and take. There's going to be research. You cannot go into that job and have any level of success and A, not be prepared or most importantly, not be a listener. Because if you go in and you think you got any type of answer, which I fortunately, I had more questions than I had answers. But if you go in there with any type of this is easy. I'm going to do it my way. That's not flying because it is such a it is such a balance to making things great. And and ESPN does a fantastic job of it. And I learned a lot about that. And I loved the basketball. I mean, I I I, I was able to take things from every walkthrough, all the films, kept a lot of notes, saw a lot of different things. And there's not a lot of things that I would probably go and say, okay, I'm going to not do this anymore as a coach. But there's certainly things I know I'm going to add. And and I think that's what I learned a lot from it. Uh, Tom, I love the phrase small group leadership. I've never heard it. Oh, it's great. Good. Yeah. It's fabulous. Terrific job yeah. on that. Now I'm going well, to talk. It's a military term in so many oh, ways. Oh, really? Okay, but, cool. Well, it makes but, sense. But, well, I mean, I've seen it. Makes it sense. I, I don't know if it's a military term. I've seen it described in military. Yeah. But it's sports. Think about college basketball. Think sure. about pro basketball. Yeah. Think about those aren't giant groups. Even in football, the best. They know how to make that small group, right? The position yeah. meeting rooms, sure. the meetings you have with individual players, the meeting without a meeting. John Harbaugh used to say that Andy Reid was the best he's ever seen at having a meeting without a meeting, meaning it wasn't necessarily in his office or it wasn't necessarily in a, in a textbook place for a meeting, but getting his message across in a different place. I watched Tony LaRussa for years take a red fungal bat out to the field, okay? Hit fungos, be be hitting fly balls, be around the batting cage, be around first base, wander in the outfield. He was going with a purpose. He was finding ways <laughs> to meet with five, six, seven, eight guys that he had determined the night before that he needed to make sure he touched those guys that day. 
that's small group leadership to me too. Amen. You know, I mean, and two or more, you know, it doesn't, small group can be two, three, four. It can be bigger. But when you get inside those confines of a studio, a show, or a game, that's small. But everybody's got a major purpose. Dang, that's powerful. I'm going to give, <laughs> I'm going to give you credit for that one one time, brother. And then I'm using that the rest of my coaching you seminars. So. Go ahead. That's what it's all about. Hey, let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind of basketball shooting industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected, design and upload training exercises that combine shooting, conditioning, and ball handling into one complete workout, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. It's been the official shooting machine of Coaching You for the last two years. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Tom, now I want to talk Georgia Bulldogs. Okay, I have had, uh, again, I've had a residency in Georgia for over 35 years. My wife's from uh, Conyers, Georgia, 40 miles outside of Athens. And uh, so we have strong and coaching. My first job in the pros was at the Hawks. And tell me, uh, Greg McGarity, known him since his days at Florida, terrific leader. Talk about what a dynamic job and a dynamic school that is. I love that place. Well, yeah. So much what you just said is him, the leadership. Yeah. They came to my home. On a Thursday, I got a call on a Wednesday. They came to the home on a Thursday. Uh, Dr. Jerry Moorhead, our president. I mean, wow. we're sitting there. I mean, I felt connections, and it was real because if there was – and I, I was fortunate to meet with some other schools, and and they were good too. I mean, like sure. it was such a breath of fresh air for me to be – because I knew, I, I knew what I didn't want it to feel like going into this. <laughs> and you don't necessarily – you never – totally sure you're going to know what it feels like but you know what you don't want it to feel like and that's where you trust your instincts yeah and to me the people i met with were fantastic in that way but greg mcgarity and the way that he operates this and the the people that he has around him the the it's it's been fantastic i mean there are people they are committed when they say commit to the g okay which (laughs) is the big phrase and it's on the billboards and it's all over the place they're committed to each other in here and and I'm sure there'll be rough days. I, I know that. I mean, it's not like everything's going to go great. It, it doesn't work that way. But when it comes to professionalism, when it comes to togetherness, when it comes to give and take, when it comes to helping, when it comes to support, uh, very, very good in the in the first month that I've been here, which is exciting for the future. No, it is. And uh, it's a great state, uh, great players in the state. And uh you know, I think it's one of the really great jobs. The SEC, having been in it for a couple of years coaching in it, I was shocked at how good that league is and how good the coaching is in that league, Tom. It is fantastic league. Oh, yeah. We're getting ready to find out. I mean, oh, it's yeah. – uh, I'm excited about it, especially you know, watching all that basketball. I saw a lot of SEC. Yeah. And I saw a lot of Georgia. And 
we've had we'll have our 17th workout here oh, since good. I've been here wow. in the next in two hours. We had one last night late after I got back from recruiting and being with these guys on the court, seeing them work in the weight room, getting to know them around the office. You know, as important as recruiting is, and it is as important as meeting people and being in meetings and getting around different places is by far the most important thing is to start to build some solid connections with these guys and, and get to know uh, what it's going to take for us to, to help them get better. Well, I, I'm just so excited for you and what you're going to do uh, for that for that program. And you are one of the best, Tom. And I appreciate uh, also, folks, uh, one of the things uh, I'll never forget, uh, you know, and you never forget what I call, you know, the power of words, Tom. And uh, one Sunday you and I were at, uh, you know, at beautiful Disney on a Sunday morning with no one in the building watching the 930 game. And you spent, you know, an hour and a half, two hours with me on trying to give me ideas of how to make coaching you better to help coaches. And I'll never forget it. And I thank you, friend, for that. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, you've yeah. got, I've got tremendous respect for you for a long, long time, and that's never going to change. Well, thanks, buddy. And I can't wait you're to welcome. see you soon. And uh, appreciate you doing this. And I know the coaches around the world will appreciate it, too. I appreciate it. Appreciate Thanks. what you do for not only coaches and players, but for leaders, because that's what this podcast should be about, too. There's there are so many things to be taken from here that apply to so many different people. And coaching you is not limited to sports. And the more people figure that out and and uh, and, and the more that people see it in a in a business sense or in a sense of where they can make their small group or their family or their big business better. Uh, the more they'll learn because you're putting a lot of great things out for people to take. You're the best. Thanks, brother. You're, thank you very much, Brendan. This is getting so good for me. Goosebumps, tingles. I love it, man. I, you know, th this is this is the essence of what we're doing in our learning. Uh, you know, when you can, when you know someone as long as I've known Tom, and you can walk away and say, he's just given me about twenty things that he's reminded me of, and ta or taught me. And so people like him, you saw what he did with his gap year. You saw how he's a continual learner. You, I mean, a small group leadership. I love that concept. Uh, telling you what the, he learns from the best coaches in the world. You know, this is, this is why we do Coaching You. This is why we do our podcast. Tom Crean is going to blow it up at Georgia. He's one of the very best. And uh, I can't tell you more, but... Uh, keep following us on Twitter. Keep following uh, everything we're doing because as we start to announce in the last month and a half, some of the speakers, you're going to be shocked at some of the people that are going to come down the stretch. We already have a commitment of 11 superstars, but wait till you see what we have coming up. Uh, Tom Kareen is special. Tom, thank you, my brother. And again, our coaching call, we've just finished uh, now uh, three of them. You know, and I think you, you're going to see is for those that have signed up, what an extra uh, opportunity to learn. And uh, and that's what it's about. You can never stop learning. Till next week, this is the coach, Brendan Sarah. <laughs>